Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. This is Pete Becky welcoming you to another episode podcast of Reconciling Grace. We are here to discuss various topics that are not necessarily always in the Bible, but they're centered around biblical themes and such. And today's uh, theme is going to be around the role of children's ministry. I'm joined today uh, by Josh Kugel, who is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lyman in Gulfport, Mississippi, and by Pastor Mac. Don McDonald, who is the pastor of Danforth Reformed Church in Danforth, Illinois. I am on staff at Christway Community Church in Pleasantville, Ohio. So we're all not in the same room. We're doing this via Zoom, but it's uh, great to be able to meet with these gentlemen and discuss various topics. And today we are discussing the role of children's ministry. Now, this one wasn't necessarily one of the th th uh, themes that I came up with, this was kind of a Josh and Don combined thinking, hey, this is a good theme. So I'm going to let one of you guys start it. I don't really know which one, but whoever wants to open the idea, that'd be great. I, I guess what I was thinking about is just scripture and Jesus and children. And in Mark 10, starting at verse 13, it says people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And as I was reading that and reflecting on it, ironically, the way we are supposed to experience Lord reading verse 15, it says, truly, I tell you. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. So, you know, Jesus saw the value of children. Jesus saw in a, in a time where children weren't valued, Jesus said, hey, they are valued. And I, and I think that's something that um, I, I've come to really enjoy. I think early in my ministry, you know, it used to be when a child was screaming in the pew and the peppermint wasn't working anymore. Um, you know, you'd watch a kid get hauled out and almost get killed, almost. Mm. Um, and and now it's like, man, I'm so glad we have the noise in the pews. You know, we've got some youngins in the pews for a small church in rural America. That's a rarity. And uh, mm. so I, I've come to really value, you know, children in the life of the church um, in that way. So... That was some of my thinking and beginning on it. What about you, Josh? Let me tell you a couple stories. And uh, it starts with uh, years ago, I decided when we go on vacation as a family, we're going to go to church on Sunday. Um, I'm a pastor. I want my kids to know that we go to church, not because I, it's my job, but it's because it's of who we are. And so we'll always pick a church to go to when we're on vacation. And so I typically will find a large church that's known for something um and and we'll go to it and I remember my youngest she was five years old six years old and I took her to a church near where my parents live we didn't live where we do at the time and um this is over in on the north shore in Louisiana north shore of New Orleans 
um, went to a church that had several thousand members uh, in attendance to, and we walked to, we walked in and they said, oh, you've got kids. You'll want to take them to our kids wing. Um, and so past the outdoor indoor, um, it was outdoor, but it was surrounded, uh, ball pit and jungle monkey gym kind of thing that looks like it comes out of Chuck E. Cheese. My daughter walked up and three stories tall, it seemed like was a castle that you then walk through to get to children's ministry. And so she passes the ball thing with the tunnels and everything through. It's like a gopher uh, or like a, uh, what is it, a hamster cage for kids or whatever. And then you, then you walk into a castle and my daughter, five, six years old, looks at me and she says, dad, I think we should come to church here now. That's happened a couple of other times. We used to, when I was on staff, we used to go to church in the afternoon at another church just so I could be at church. And they had a two o'clock service. We take our kids there occasionally. And the first thing you do when you walk into children's church is you walk through a room that has a commercial size jump in it, an inflatable jump in it. And my kids would walk in and they would go, dad, we'd love to go to church here. <laughs> so those compared to, I knew a guy who had church of about 200, 250, not as big as the first ones, but not a small, you know, uh, church at the same time. And he said, um, and I asked him about his kids ministry. He says, kids sit in the sanctuary because they need to see from adults what it's like to go to church. And his theory is that we, uh, we make this exciting, always on kids and youth ministry, and then kids leave when they find out that adult church is boring by comparison. And so it began, one of the things that began to, that I began to see really quick is how uh, a huge church with unlimited funding and all makes it very difficult for a smaller church to offer the same type of something to kids. And you, you find yourself constantly trying to offer more and more and more, and, and, and it, it messes you up. But that compared to a mindset that says, look, we're actually damaging children by, by doing that for them and everything. And so um, it just brings me into it. Kids are essential in ministry. We know there's a biblical precedent for it. I think like Don read and all, we have to involve them. We have to attract them. We also have to recognize that it's not the church's role over the parents' role to put them into church and, and everything like that. But the question is, uh, as a church, we're called to, to minister to families. Is there a calling? And I, I, I struggle with this to do kids ministry. Um, and I don't want to take the whole thing. We, we had uh, about eight or nine months ago, we had one, one kid in our entire church. This is a church of sometimes we'll run as many as 115 or 120. That'll tell you something about the age of our church. So I convinced the church that we need to start a children's ministry. We need to pay a children's director, pastor, whatever, so much a week. It was a pretty decent amount, but it was part-time because we wanted to show the church and the community that we want to invest in children because we think they're important enough to spend money on. And now we've had some Sundays where we'll have 19 or 20 um, in children's church that meets after uh, worship where they worship with their families. And so I, I, I struggle with the church's role in kids ministry, but I do know if you don't do anything intentionally, you probably won't attract people with families, people with kids. And so I, I don't know. Well, I think one of the big things too, Josh, is that, you know, I've heard it many, many times 
uh, over the course of the years. I, I think, I, I know I started in youth ministry, Don, I think you started in youth ministry. Josh, didn't you start? I did youth and music. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, one of the big things that they drilled into me as I was being trained for youth ministry, and and really youth is maybe slightly older than, quote, children's, but still we're talking about the younger people in the congregation, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, is one of the big things is that at that time when I was doing that, one of the um, sayings was, you have to invest in the youth because the youth are the church of the future. And as and we were being trained to be said, no, you have to remember that youth are part of the church of today. Yeah. And that's an important um, thing to do. At the same time, you know, you don't need to have the the entire church running around what the youth do any more than you should have your household run around the kids. But that seems to happen more and more in today's culture, doesn't it? But that's oh, probably another, that's probably another um, episode. But still, um, we we need to remember that they are important, but. I like where you're going with this, Josh, because the church size really plays a role in that, I think. The church, you know, resources, the church's perhaps well, physical um, setup. You know, what can a church do if church A doesn't have anything and church B has everything for kids? And the thing um, is, it's a chicken or egg thing. Did a church get to be as big as it did because it offered something for families and kids? Mm -hmm. Or is it because it's so big that it can offer something for families and kids? Um, mm -hmm. It's it's kind of difficult to navigate. I think over the years of doing ministry, and this is going to sound cold, but I'm going to say it this way. I, I always say to people who are church looking, and I've, I guess I've become a little bit uh, sarcastic about it. I, I say, if you want a church that has programs, then go to your bigger church. If you mm. want a church that will make you part of their family, come to the small church. Because the emphasis is that, is that fair? Uh, you know, I, I bigger I, churches have small groups and everything too. They do. But the intimacy of a small church versus being that I grew up in a mega church, I, I can say this. You know, when you're in big churches that have small groups, you're part of a small group. But do you really feel like you're part of the church at that point? Yeah. Where yeah. when you're in a small church, when you're worshiping together as 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 a small, big, small group, there's an intimacy that the big church cannot keep up with. There's an intimacy there that, you know, there's grandma and grandpa looking at their great grandchildren and, you know, they mm. giggle in the church. You know, when, when I mispronounce a word, uh, that there's a warmth there that is not there in the bigger church. And, and you know, I'm comfortable in saying, and, and I, when I, you know, because I can't compete with the Bells and Buzzer Church, and I'm comfortable with that. But where we have our niche is if you want a place that is real and authentic and not so much about the program, but more about being a part of the family of God then you can make a niche for yourself. Now, here's the key phrase. You can make a niche. A lot of times when people are looking for churches, they don't want to make a niche. They just want to be in the pew and be a number. Mm. 
And so, you know, there, there's a difference there in, in the environment. When, when we look at children's ministry too, ironically, we just last week, we went out ice skating with our crew of kids. Um, it, it's not so much about the program. It's not so much about Sunday school curriculum. It's more about the relationship. And, and so, you know, we have these relationships with these kids that we build. And so, you know, we're, we're not going to equal, you know, the bigger church, but if you're looking for some authenticity, that's something that we can bring to the table in children's ministry. Yeah. You, you know, living in the mindset that we can't, or we need to offer what the other church does is a very destructive mindset. Agree. Um, I think we always should challenge ourselves to do more, to offer better, that kind of thing. But a lot of pastors I know, especially, uh, you know, in churches that are smaller, um, tend to live with the mindset, uh, will never be what they are, um, and how that's, uh, defeating and it, it's not necessarily good. I almost wonder if we should say, we'll never be what they are. Praise God. We have a different mission. Um, we'll never be what they are. Praise God. We can offer something that they can't ever. Um, but we tend to live in that we'll never be what they are. So we'll always lose people to them. Well, and, and I think, you know, I, I, I lost a dear pastor friend here about, four or five years ago, I missed and, and he used to say, you know, Don, we're small church pastors because A, that's where God wants us, and B, it's a place where we make a difference in people's lives as we are gifted. And I think when you're dealing with your identity as a pastor, especially when you're young, you want that mega church, you want those numbers, and that's all right. I'm not saying it's not wrong to have that drive, but sometimes God places you in a place that isn't going to be that. And you can still make a difference. You know, that's why Luke 15 is there. The value of the one. When you look at the chapter of Luke 15, it's all about the one. Um, you know, that one kid that you reached out to that no one else would, uh, you know, making a difference in that life. And I think when I look at children's ministries, you know, in, in my mind, in the smaller church, it has to be much more relational. And I think in the larger church, it's much more programs, you know, about how can we put together a great program that yeah. gets interested, that keeps that, which is important in the relational, but it's not the key component where in the bigger church, it, that's the key component, how to keep them interested and excited. So the, the nuances of programming are different between the two. And I think both are right for the record. Both are effective yeah. in ministry. Yeah. Do you think that sometimes though, when you're talking about the, how do I say, not being that church, pressures are put on us as pastors. And I'm talking about us because again, I, I think we've said this in a previous episode, but Josh, you're the you're the big church pastor amongst the three of us in 110 or whatever, 90, where you're at now. That's really not a big church. But no. compared compared to the churches that I've pastored where it's been 30 and 20, that's big, you know. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, I think that there's, there's sometimes this idea, maybe, for, as I say, from denominations or from the communities where you live. Now, Don, it's maybe a different situation because you live in such a small community that the population of Danforth is what, 650? 
Correct. It's 650. 650. So, I mean, that's the whole town. You know, we have churches in the United States that are bigger than that. Right. Um, and and I'm not trying to say that in a negative way. I'm just saying that's you you are where you are because that's the setting where you are. And, and you know, so you're going to have a different dynamic. Yet I think of sometimes the, the churches that I've pastored where maybe our denomination or the district in our denomination or the region of the denomination is going to have some big youth events or some big children's event. And it's like, we might be lucky to have one or two children as part of that when the church five miles away or 10 miles away has 50 children going to it. And it's a totally different event for them because they're with their friends, they're with their peers. And instead you got these, you're one or two who are, who are this one event and it's just going to be different. So I don't know that there's, again, I, I like to say this for a lot of things. I don't know that there's a one size fits all answer to these questions. But well, there is. There's always a one size fit all, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah Everything's yeah. black and white. Ask the people who are in charge. They'll tell you what it is, right? Yeah. And, and that's what it is. They're the experts. Um, but I, well, I think isn't, the, isn't the best answer what produces the best kids and families, though? Yeah, and what produces fruit. I mean, and that's going to be different. And, and, and I got to be honest, what I've seen over my ministry is what produces the best kids and families is equipping parents to be all that God is calling them to be and raise their kids in, in the way God is calling them to. And I think focus on children's ministry sometimes is misapplied um, because biblical direction is that parents raise their kids. So I, sorry. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. But I, I think that brings us to another I issue here, Josh, which is a very important issue. What do you do with the kids who came to church because of the quote bus ministries? I don't know how many bus ministries we have now, but you come from a family that has no Christian background, but you reach the church. I mean, Don, you know how I grew up. I, my, my family was nominally Roman Catholic, but really there was really no Christian upbringing in there. I mean, some very, very, very basic stuff, but the fact that I'm a pastor today or even a Christian today is, is just almost phenomenal because of the fact that I didn't really have that, that growing up when, when they, when I think, uh, I, think I had that instruction. I think part of it is Pete to be transparent in the background. You, well, you knew my grandma. Yeah. Just a little bit. She prayed over you every day that you would become a person in Christ. See, I did not know that till just now. She, she was, she used to haul me aside and say, you know, that friend Pete, well, she liked you because you ate the potato skins. And that, that much way. I did know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we always told her grandma, only abnormal people eat the potato skins. Say Pete, but um, bump. And, <laughs> it's, and, it's the little things. It, and, and grandma prayed for you over that. And, and I think I, I have a couple of directions in my head that get me teary so you'll have to give me a minute no you're fine you're getting me teary thinking about her praying for me um you know josh you, you made the comment you know about parents not being in the church and things like that and i can remember i i when i retired to the pulpit the reason i retired to the pulpit is because i lost a step in floor hockey and i couldn't keep up with the kids so i thought it was time to retire from youth work at 34 and so I went to the pulpit, but I never stopped being a youth pastor. After to, to this day, I really haven't stopped being a youth pastor preaching. And we ended up with this fourth, fifth grade 
boy, girl sitting in the pew with another kid. She had invited him over and they were supposed to be in the Lutheran church, but they were having more fun in the Reformed church. So next thing I know, here they are in the, in the building and they worshiped with us, did Sunday school with us, did youth group with us. Well, their older sister had a full term stillborn child. And because of the children's ministry and the way it was built, the next thing I knew, I was in the hospital room holding that stillborn, ministering to the older sister. And it actually began with understanding that children's ministry can be an evangelism arm of the church, that it is an extension of pastoral care into a family who might be that nominal Christian. You know, and, and, you know, that family, because of that event, because of their children being in the pew, um, ended up being very much an important part of the center of the church of today. And it began with children's ministry and that emphasis of working with kids and being open to kids. Um, I, I still will never forget. We had a darling. Um, she was sexually abused for four years and was very hostile. And so she showed up one Sunday morning with a rabbit, a live rabbit in the pew. And I thought for sure we were going to get in trouble with my old saints. You know, how dare they bring, you know, that's what I was waiting for. But since we understood the call to love children and work with children, um, that darling went through some dark, 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 dark times. But because of this church, the mother and that daughter, and part of it was our children's ministry and emphasis on that, um, they're in Christ today. So children's ministry, as much as about a program, to me, it's more about ministry and how pastoral care can extend to children's ministry. So that there's an element there that we don't really talk a lot about in the church, but I think when you just don't see it as educating your children, but rather having a relationship with your children. I think the Lord does great things. Mm -hmm. And I think Josh has a very valid point, though, too, when when he says that it's part of the family situation, because, you know, Amen. It, it's, it's both and it's not either or because we have people in our churches who are who are Christian parents who want to raise their children in a Christian setting. And those children are just as important. One of the things that I have heard, um, and, and I don't know, I go way back to the days of Lyle Schaller. I don't know if you guys remember those, that name. He was, he was, he was the Tom Rainer of his day, basically. And um, Lyle Schaller was talking about how we do different things with children than we do with adults. You know, says, why do we, why do we automatically graduate children into, you know, age groups or into grade groups or whatever? They're just starting to make friends in, in their seventh and eighth grade group. And all of a sudden, boom, now you're in high school. Now you got to have all these new friends. You know, it's not like when you have a, a, a 34 year old, all of a sudden you turn 35 and now you got to be in another adult group, you know? Um, but the key is, I think, all of the above. It's relational. It's it's instructional. And the problem is, how do you, for instance, gear a children's program to the child who grew up in a Christian home going to a Christian school, and here you are on a Sunday morning or in a youth event on a Saturday night or whatever, and the, the 
other person who comes in is the person who is in a church for the first time in their life in the same yeah. age. I, I got to be honest though, Pete, I think we, we do this with everything. We, we figure out what we want to invest in and how we want to invest and what's the most likely to get a spiritual return. And as far as me and my, my ministry and all, I'm not, I'm not going to put a lot into, I, I hate to say it. I think people will hear this the wrong way. Maybe you guys would into, into busing kids whose parents don't want to come to church. And I'm going to invest in kids who bring or families who bring their their kids to church and, and trying to attract them rather than trying to circumvent some kind of uh, and and it's it's not because those kids are less important. It's because if I can't turn, if, I don't want to say I, if the church, if 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 Jesus can't turn the parents, the likelihood of the kids just kind of breaking free from their family or doing something different, and I, I hate kind of encouraging. I, I don't know um, where we, where we tend to put most of our effort is we need to get young adults with kids in so that they can raise their kids. And we're going to, we're going to provide a house, the spiritual housing forum and all that stuff, a program and all that stuff. But our effort is really, Hey, if we can turn you guys on for Jesus, it's much more likely that your kids are going to follow in their footsteps rather than, let's just go out somewhere where the kid, where, where what it's turning into is the parents don't care enough about their kids and where they're going, that they'll let them go with a bus <laughs> yeah. to a ministry they don't support and have never been to, which is crazy to me um, in the hopes that we can not only, uh, you know, lead them in a prayer and everything, but make them into a lifelong disciple of Jesus. I know it's worked. I know it can work. It's just, <laughs> I, I, I don't see that as the smartest investment. So um I think the, the hardest part, Josh, is identifying where the strength of the local church is yep. doing that journey. Yep. Um, and, and to me, I feel like Pete for a moment here, there's no right or wrong answer on this. It's more how the local church is gifted. You yep. know, there was something that you know we were talking about earlier off, off mic about how each church that Pete attended was different in the same geographical area there there. And I've moderated enough churches that have been vacant. I probably have about 10 to 15 years of moderating other churches in our area. And each one is different. Each one's gifted different. Each one has their own emphasis of ministry and to be yeah. blunt, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. I mean, your gift, Josh, and I'm saying it aggressively, your gift is seeing the value of the households and being blessed with the households. Yeah. My gift has been in the area of more dealing with the broken children and, and bringing a sense of wholeness to them yeah. that other churches don't feel called to. I mean, there's a reason when somebody asks, you know, one of my deacons, you know, what, how would you define Danforth Reformed Church? Without even hesitating, she says, we're the island of misfit toys. We take everyone that no one else wants. Yeah. And that's cool, too. I'm trying to remember who it was. I, we had a book many, many moons ago in the ancient of days when I was in Bible college that we had to read. It may have been H.B. London. I'm not sure. But the subtitle of the book was it, was, it was about pastors. And it was about the subtitle was Bloom Where You Are Planted. And, and Don, you might have really just hit on the key to all of that. And Josh, I think you mentioned it, something along these lines earlier, is that, um, you know, maybe we don't need to aspire to be like that other church. 
Maybe we don't need to aspire to be anything but the church that God wants us to be, where he has planted us to be. And, you know, I'm always saying there's got to be a balance or, or there's not one right universal answer. But, you know, based on the community where God plants the church, based on the community um, that that the kids are in, there, there might be different answers for different people. And, and Josh, I, I believe very, very strongly in what you're saying about investing the time mm-hmm. and energies into where it is likely to to grow, where it's likely to have spiritual fruit. And um, yet at the same time, I've always been an outlier. You know, that's the thing. In my ministry, it's like I've always been an outlier in the way that the church that I attend, even before I was a pastor, it seemed like I was always in this outlying type of church. Um, so I think there's value in both, in, in everything. But maybe the key is to, to look at your situation, meaning not just you, Josh, and you, Don, and me, but I mean, everybody out there, maybe it's to look at your situation and say, what has God uniquely gifted you with? What has God done in your um, circumstance put you in this place, in this town, in this city, in this congregation that you can uniquely serve Jesus Christ? And how can you reach the children that God has brought to your care? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Is there any more to say? (laughs) I didn't mean to sum that up, but it just, it's just one of those things where I, I, I will say this. There's a big difference between a church who says we want to do children's ministry and a church who says we're spending money to do children's ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think, um, you, you know, I, I, and, and, and another thing is there's a big difference between a church who sits back and says, I don't know God why God doesn't send any kids our way and a church who's constantly trying things that even fail to attract families with kids mm-hmm. or kids, either one. Um, and a lot of times I think we get beaten into a place where we just stop trying or stop or, or stop believing we can. And I just want to remind all of us that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, a courage, of, uh, a sound of love for so a reason that we do it because we love kids and we want them to know Jesus and a sound mind, which means that God will give us the discipline and the wisdom to direct that energy and courage in the place it needs to go. But I just, I, I rarely see, I, I, I hear a lot of pastors complaining that we don't have the resources or we don't have the kids. Um, but if that's the case, I've just never seen a growing children's ministry or anything where they're not constantly trying and tr- constantly doing and mm-hmm. constantly spending and, you know, that kind of thing. So it could be that a church that's struggling, maybe a pastor's listening. Um, maybe it's time to divert money. <laughs> um, well, one of the things, you know, as, as you're talking um, early in my ministry, I, I became part of Youth for Christ and became one of the counselors. You yeah. Know, working with the kids and doing that part of the evangelism. And so get where the kids are. You know, that's the first thing I'd encourage. Yeah. You know? Yeah, And the good thing about Youth for Christ as a parachurch organization is sort of get you tuned up a little bit more 
with what's going on with kids and how to do ministry, they're usually a little bit ahead of the curve on that because they understand the unreached kid and they understand that. So what I'd encourage is if you're looking into children's ministry and you're trying to figure out, get involved in a parachurch organization that specializes in kids. Yeah. See what they're doing. The other part of the encouragement, I'm part of a community center called The Garage. And it ministers to late elementary kids and middle school kids. Every Friday night, you know, one Friday night we'll have the late elementary kids. And then the next Friday night we'll have the middle schoolers. And so, you know, I'm out, I'm getting too old for it, mind you, but I'm out, <laughs> you know, um, connecting in with kids that way. And my, my frustration is I'd like to see more young ministers there. Sure. Yeah. Their, their young ministers aren't, aren't there like they should be in my mind. Um, and, and because that's where the journey is. Um, so that's some of the, what I call hands and feet. If you're looking into children's ministry, trying to figure out where to begin, I gave you two ideas, parachurch yeah. look for a community center that's working with kids. Yeah. Might I also suggest, and you know, gosh, let me be so quaint as to say, if you're a pastor and want to know what to do about children's ministry, maybe you ought to pray about it. Yeah. Maybe you ought to really, really see where is God leading me? You know, does he want me to be the the um, minor league for the church down the road? Or does he want me to have a totally different type of ministry? Where does where where does God lead this church? What is where does God want us to lead this church when it comes to um, children's ministry? And I think we'll be surprised oftentimes how God will sometimes give us an answer to a prayer that we weren't expecting, but ends up being just the right thing. Mm. So, well, with that, I guess I almost summed it up a couple of minutes ago. I guess I'll try to yeah. sum it up again that time. Um, but I, I just want us to emphasize one more time that children are a part of today's church. There is no question about it. They're not just the church of tomorrow, but they are part of today's church. And, it is important, uh, as Don started the, the um, episode off today, talking about Jesus said to let the little children come to him. They were important to Jesus. They are important to Jesus. Well, they better be important to us, too. So with that, I want to thank you, Pastor Mac, Don McDonald. I want to thank you, Josh Kugel, Pastor Kugel. And this is Pete Becky. And Lord willing, we'll be back next time with another podcast episode of Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.